Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. I don't know about you, but I like GPS things on our phones, or if you have a GPS unit. Back in the day, they had things called maps that we had to actually unfold. And once you unfold a map, you're never going to get it back, are you? And then they had atlases where you had to deal with page turns. Man, I got turned around more times than many. But then they came out with these GPS things. And so now I have a, a smartphone that's got an app on it that will tell you where you were going. It will tell you if there is traffic ahead. And sometimes it will tell you if there's a police officer ahead. So just giving out the love. But the thing is, is that you go on this trip. And I just, I love the part where it says, when you get there, it says, you have arrived. Doesn't that make you feel good? When someone tells you, hey, man, you have arrived. You have gotten there. Well, regardless of the journey it took to get there, you and I can rest and relax knowing that we made it. And we all want to hear that we have arrived in some way or the other, don't we? Maybe it's our career. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a, a church member, or maybe it's your bank account or investments. Or maybe it's as simple as getting to a good buffet, right? But we want to know when we get there. We want to know, and the problem is we never really do. Yes, the GPS tells us that we have arrived, but that only means that we have to move on to our next target. There are plenty of times where we like to just stay there and enjoy the moment, but life does not do that, does it? There's always going to be another moment. There's always going to be another opportunity. There's always going to be another thing that you and I have to do or accomplish. That's because we have a God-created void in our life. God created us with a void, with a a hole, with a, a deficiency that can only be filled with a relationship with Him. He created Adam and Eve, and he created that place and reserved it for himself in their heart. And that same void exists today. My favorite verse regarding that is Ecclesiastes 3.11, where it says, Solomon saying, the wisest man in the world is saying, God has planted eternity in our hearts. That means that we have a hole in our heart. We have a, a longing for God, a longing for heaven. And the problem is, is it's too many times we fill that hole and that void with the wrong things. So as we reach to the end of our journey down this road to redemption this morning, uh, it has led us to the front of an empty tomb. The empty tomb that would change the world. The empty tomb, it changed not only the world, it changed my world as an awkward teenager. And it can change yours today, too, if it hasn't already. I want to show you just a few quick things from Scripture. The first thing is that the impact of the empty tomb. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 4. The impact that the empty tomb has on us. In verses 1 through 4, it says, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. By the way, they were going out to prepare Jesus' body for his burial because they were in such a hurry to get him buried and get him out of the way. They didn't even give him a proper burial. They were coming to finish the job. 
And then number two, verse two, there's my word I love in Scripture. Suddenly. When you hear a suddenly, you know that God is about to do something. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guests shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. What we see here is that Jesus proved his power over sin and death. John 2.19, he's talking, he says, All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple. Talking about himself. Destroy this temple. And I will rise it or raise it up again in three days. You see, the Jews, they were expecting God to replace the current temple that had been destroyed in 70 AD with a newer one. And they had been praying for that thing forever. But Jesus was referring to himself as a temple. Matthew 28, 5, as we just read, it says, He is risen from the dead just as he said it would happen. So when you see that, know this. Jesus is trustworthy. That Jesus said he would do something. There were things said that Jesus would do 2,000 years before that. And everything that he said came true. If you don't believe me, look at Isaiah 53, and it reads account by account, the crucifixion story, many years before it ever happened. So we see that Jesus is trustworthy and that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? Jesus is not only worthy of our affection and our obedience, He is, he is worthy, but he, he demands it. Now here's the thing, is that as you look at Easter... You look at Easter, there are plenty of people to say that, well, either he was a liar, that what he said would happen didn't really happen. Number two, he was a lunatic that had some crazy ideas and everybody followed him. But once he died, it died with him. And if he's not a liar, and if he's not a lunatic, he must be a Lord. I mean, think about it. Even in the moment when we see that they went back to the tomb and the tomb was empty, there were even people back in that day, and maybe some of you even in this room have said, well, this could really be a farce because, you know, somebody could have came and taken his body. Somebody could have just played a trick on him. Well, think about it. Those two guards that were stationed at the, foot, at the, the, the stone, the door of the empty tomb, those were not two Barney Fife police officers. They were the seals. They were the, the baddest of the baddest because they didn't want anybody. Why would someone want, why would Rome want to move his body because they were the very ones that crucified him? Think about it. Think of all the detractors that would want to say, the Jews, for example, wouldn't they love to have said, look, we told you. We went to all this trouble to crucify him, and there he lays right there. Do you not think that one detractor, one person that was against Jesus' message was said, Christians, suck it up, buttercup. There's his body right here. They couldn't do it. We read in the Scriptures where even the disciples, the most devoted followers Jesus had, were in awe. They could not believe that he was not here. So in your life and in my life, as you look at the empty tomb, 
you may consider him a liar. You may consider him a lunatic, but there is no proof on either of those. The only proof is an empty tomb, which means that he is Lord. The second thing that we see is that the tomb gives us hope for heaven. Oh my goodness, how many funerals have you and I been to? How many have I officiated and other pastors officiated? You can, there is a palatable difference in between the funeral of a person that is lost and the person that is saved. I've seen people take their last breath. And in many cases, you can tell where their heart was with the Lord. And so when, when we're consoling family members, and we're, as Christians, telling each one of us, you know, we, we say the things you always say at funerals. Boy, he looks good. She looks good. I'm like, they're dead. I didn't, my, my wife and I were looking at, we had to go preview my mom's body before her funeral. I said it myself. Boy, she looks good. And then I laughed at myself. And I'm not making, please, don't, he's not funny. He's making fun of funerals. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, look, you know, you have had to stand in line as a family and wait as people come through. We don't know what to tell you. We don't know. There is nothing that anybody can tell you in that receiving friends line or after that funeral or after that graveside is going to give you any more hope than Jesus does with the empty tomb. That is where our hope is. It doesn't matter what they look like. Here, that body is gone. And that hope that we have is found in the empty tomb. Matthew 28, 5, again, says he is risen from the dead, just as he said it would happen to the resurrection of the dead. And, and we looked at this verse a few minutes ago. I want to show you kind of a, a bigger context. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 52 through 56. This is why the tomb gives us hope. This is why it gives us hope for heaven. It says it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. Those who have died will be raised to live forever. Whether you were buried, whether you were put in a block, whether you were scattered, or whether you were places unknown, your body will be resurrected to get your heavenly body. If, if you know somebody was cremated, don't worry. God made Adam out of ash and dust. If you, if you know somebody that had a, a horrific accident, it doesn't matter what that body is. That body is gone. It will be. If they are a believer in Jesus Christ, they will be resurrected. And for those of us that do not die... Our bodies are still going to be resurrected. Well, how do we know that that could happen? We saw him do it through Lazarus, and he did it himself. That is why you have hope for heaven. It says that for our, verse 53, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies will be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scriptures will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. This is a beautiful passage. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? 
My friend, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and your loved one is a believer in Jesus Christ, a funeral is not an end destination. It's a pit stop to a better place. That is what the empty tomb shows us. John eleven twenty three through 25 says, Jesus told her, talking about Lazarus, your brother will rise again. If you go back and you read that story, Jesus showed up after being late. They kind of said, Jesus, you should have been here and he wouldn't have died. And he said, oh, yeah, tell him to come out. And they're like, huh? It actually says, go back and look, it says, he's been in there four days. He's going to stink. Or King James stinketh, if you want to put the TH on it. And he said, yeah, yeah, right, we know. No, tell him to come out. And Lazarus came forth in his grave clothes. Jesus had power. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And then the next thing I want us to see is the invitation of the empty tomb. The empty tomb sends an invitation this morning. Verse 5 says, the angel of the, the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. But what do you think it says next? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would. Come see where his body was lying. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And going ahead of you to Galilee, you will see him there. Remember what I have told you. So the women ran quickly from the tomb. Just a side note. I heard this, a preacher say this one time. Isn't it amazing? Remember, women back in that day did not have a lot of rights. They could not testify in a trial. Uh, They were to be seen and not heard. But yet, who are the first people that Jesus reveals himself to? A couple of faithful women that was coming to prepare their bodies. His body. They ran quickly from the tomb and they were there frightened. They were the first ones to give the news to the disciples that Jesus had risen. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message as they went. Jesus met them and greeted them there and they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshipped him. Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Our invitation is this. And we saw it right in the passage. The empty tomb invites you. And invites me to come and see. He is not here. It invites us to go and tell others that he is not there. That he has risen. And it invites us to worship him as we have done today. And the last thing I want to leave you with before we conclude our service. Where does this road to redemption leave you today? Folks, Jesus has proven himself, whether you believe it or not. You can trust what the Bible says about Jesus, because if Jesus is right, his word is right. And your decision for Jesus in this life will affect you in your next life. Don't believe me? John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There are many people, maybe some of you in here today, that just have heard or believe that if you do good, enough good that will outweigh the bad, 
then you'll go to heaven. That is not true, my friend. And plus, what if you're having a bad day and the scales are going the wrong way? You can rest assured that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the only deity. He is the only power that walked this earth and died and rose again. He is the only one that has power over sin and death. Not only to get you to heaven, but to make you a new person right here today. The road you are walking will lead you to where it ends. That is a deep thought. But the road you are walking will lead you to where it ends. I promise you, if I walk out of this church and start walking down Abbeville Highway, I will end up in Abbeville. Whether I want to or not, that's where it leads. So my friend, what road are you on? And where is it leading? Obey the warning signs. If it says bridge out or dead end, change your direction. Because that destination is not going to change. Jesus is alive. Jesus can be trusted because He is who He says He is. And He was and did what He said He would do. Redemption is something that we all need, including myself. But only those who choose to walk that road may find it. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for our worship service thus far. Lord, these are just words and notes, Lord, that give glory and and credit to what Your Scriptures say about yourself. I thank, thank you so much for your sacrifice and for your resurrection, Lord, because as an awkward teenage kid, you helped me find eternal life. And many here today would say the same. But if there is one person here today that said, you know what, I'm on the road that I don't want to be on and I'm going to a destination that I feel powerless over. If there is anyone here today that would like to accept Jesus as their Savior and Lord, the resurrected power, the Lord of their life that has control. I want to give that opportunity. We're going to have a moment of invitation, and we're going to stand. And Lord, if someone wants to walk forward, they can. And and look, they can walk forward, they can pray where they are, wherever it may be, but they need to let somebody know that they want you as their Savior and Lord. And all it takes is saying, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Help me to accept you into my life and to follow you. If there's anyone here today that wants to make sure that their destination is sure, may they respond at this time. Maybe you want to come to the altar and pray. Whatever it may be, would you stand and God, you will get the glory.